Colossians chapter 3. And we are turning towards parents. We are turning towards parents. I realize that some of you are done raising your kids and are thankful to be done raising your kids. Um, But some of us are not. Some of us are not. And those of you who are done raising your kids, uh, your job in the church is to encourage us who are raising our kids. And this morning, as we uh, turn to parents, and specifically fathers, uh, we live in a world that's uh, not really focused on parenting, uh, to say the least. In fact, uh, parenting is one of those skills, and I don't know if you feel like this, those of you who are in the midst of it, as I am, that you just don't feel prepared for um, I know some of you ladies had dolls when you were kids and you thought that was really preparation for having your own. But I think that um, almost all of us who are parents have experienced that whole process of having a baby and then realizing that they're yours to parent and the fear and, and there is no sense of you knowing what you're doing. You're kind of fumbling along as you go. And the sad thing about parenting, in many ways, by the time you learn anything, you're done. And so we need you, those of you who are older and have been through this before. Sadly, uh, parenting is one of those skills that uh, we treat uh, very poorly. I know that most of you as parents don't play video games, and if you do, maybe it's time to grow up. But... um, it's interesting, I, I've watched kids play video games, and I remember we didn't have the video game thing at our home. We wasted quarters when I was a kid. And I remember the, the sense of uh, a video game was you, you were driving, you know, there were a lot of driving games, and, and those are horrible games, horrible games. You know why? Because when you crash, you just get a new car right away, Right? They should call it the insurance game or something like that. You just get a new car and you're back on the road and you flip and you don't get hurt or anything like that. And you might get three or four new cars or motorcycles or whatever it is and you can crash those and then it's game over until when? You pump a new quarter in or start a new game. This is not good for parenting. This is not a good mindset to have with parenting. I lost the game, just turn it off and start again. Think about that right now. You have a, a child and, and you're, you're working on parenting them and you go, oh, I messed up on this one. Give me another kid. Right? That doesn't work. Maybe some of you are like, well, video games. I don't do video games. How about home improvement projects? I, I know there's some people in the congregation that are like me. I, I just don't have that skill set. I'm not really a good home improver. In fact, sometimes I've sought to improve my home with my skills, and it's really done the complete opposite. But there's a sense in which you look at a book, or you look up something online, or you go to one of those uh, little seminars down at Home Depot or something like that, and you go, you know what, I think I can tile my house. I I, I think I can replace a sink. You know, I think I can put a new uh, countertop on. And and so you buy the stuff and you kind of think it through and then you put it on and you mess it up totally. And you go, oh, another trip to Home Depot. I'm just going to start over again. Can't do that with kids. 
Can't do that. There's not a sense where you can, you can stop midstream and say, I just need to throw this one away and get a new one, right? I think of a third illustration that maybe uh, hits a little too close to home for us. One of the things that I couldn't understand about golfing, as some of you have taught me how to golf in, in years past, you, you get started, you get your clubs out, you go to the first uh, hole, and, uh, and someone gets up there and, and, and they swing, they swing really hard, and it, if you've been to Bear Valley, it's very intimidating. There's a pile of rocks, and it's like it goes down, and the rocks are staring at you in the face, and they're saying, don't hit me, don't hit me, you know you're going to hit me, you know, and, uh, and, and so you're sitting there, everyone's watching you, they've called your name so they know who's golfing, and, and so you stand up there, and you're all tensed up, and you're, you're nervous, and you go, I, I'm supposed to hit the ball, I know I'm going to miss the ball, I know I'm going to miss the ball, and maybe you pull your head, and you just hit it like four or five feet, it hits the rocks, and shoots off into the, uh, the neighbor's house, or something like that. And and I remember golfing with somebody and they just said, oh, just take a mulligan. And I'm thinking, what's a mulligan? You know, isn't that like an Irish pub where they serve roast beef or corned beef sandwiches or something like that? What's a mulligan? They just say, oh, it's a do over. You can just take one on your first hole or so. And and I'm like, how does that work? Can you just take a do over? I I learned, (laughs) I learned just recently, uh, that if you hit a bad shot and you take a mulligan and then you hit a worse shot, that's called a Finnegan, okay? <laughs> it's true. I, I, read it. I don't know if somebody made that up, but uh, some of you are saying, I could use a Finnegan right about now. Can't do that with kids. Can't do that with kids. And so as we come to this topic of parenting, we realize that the stakes are high. They're incredibly high. That this isn't something in life that you can recreate about. And you just say, I kind of dabble in woodworking. I kind of dabble in golf. I kind of dabble in these things. But success is critically important. That said, this morning, um, we are not talking about just raising a responsible kid this morning. We're not talking about just being successful in the raising of kids we're in the midst of Colossians chapter 3, which talk, is talking about the transformation that comes from knowing Christ. That how Christ, as he is superior to all, and the better answer to anything that you have in your life, and the thing that you need most is a relationship with him, that having a relationship with him will change everything. It will be that, that new clothing that changes your appearance totally. It, it's that thing that he changes your heart and what you're doing. And out of that relationship, he is going to call us this morning as parents to be different. I'd ask that you would stand in honor of God's word. And I'd like to read to you, starting at verse 17, and down through the end of the chapter. God's word says this, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. 
Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, uh, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. God, I ask that you would open our hearts now, that you would cause our our past failings uh, not to affect our day today, but rather may we cling to Christ and obey your word. God, I ask that you would give us that humility. I ask that you would give us that strength to embrace your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and the one that gives us the unction to obey as we move forward. God, I pray for the families that are represented here today. I ask that you would bless them according to your riches. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This uh, issue of parenting... If I can say it this way, maybe this will be helpful for you, that we talk about the big relationship of you and Christ, that that being the basis for the smaller relationship of you and your children, okay? So out of the the, the most significant relationship you can have, your relationship with Christ, now we will talk about your relationship with your children, Verse 21 addresses fathers. And a bit of a translation uh, difficulty there. It just says fathers. And so some of you read that this morning and you say, well, I'm a mother. I'm off the hook. I'm off the hook. That word for fathers there um, is masculine plural. And in the Greek, uh, this same word is used in other places to uh, denote parents. And so there's a bit of a difficulty to wonder if he's just referring to fathers alone or parents or parents. And uh, we, I'll agree with you either way if you want to come and talk to me afterwards and we can argue about this. Um, I do think there is a role, and maybe as uh, Paul was writing this, he was looking at their culture of the day, and he realized that fathers set the tone in the home, especially when it comes to parenting. And that's true today as well. Um, we know that if a father is not doing his job at home, that impacts the family. Would you agree? Would you agree? We're going to argue right now in church, if you don't agree with me right now, that a father's presence in the home uh, impacts the family. But so does the mother's. And as uh, they impact, they impact in different ways. And even as we look at this, there may be a sense where this is um, not exclusively a problem of the father, but we can see this lived out over and over again in fathers and homes today, including the Bozler house. Okay, I just want to say that at the outset. So this word for that's translated fathers, there's a possibility it could be parents as well. I, it seems most natural that it would be fathers, but also applies to mothers as well. 
he addresses, whether it be fathers or parents, and, and he says, I have, I have some direction for you. I have some things for you to obey. I want to point out something here, and I don't want to get on a soapbox or anything else, but he addresses parents. He addresses the father, okay? And he says that they are, in addressing them, he shows that they play a key role within the family. And not just within the family, but in relationship to those who are young being raised. He does not say, he does not talk about the schools. You get that? He did not talk about the schools. Um, the, the reason your kid is struggling is not because of something the school did. It's not because they had a bad teacher. I, I want you to get that right now. I want you to address that. And it's not that there aren't good teachers and bad teachers, good schools and bad schools. I, I understand all that. I'm a parent. I, you know, I've gone to a few. We've had our kids in different schools. They've had different teachers. I realize that. But when he addresses a key relationship, he says, parents, he says, parents. And as we think about our relationship to our kids, we need to look at that as we are the primary impactor of our children. And for us not to go blaming a school, not go blaming a teacher, but to take responsibility in, and in our own relationship with God, in our own relationship with Him, Say, what does God want for my child? He also does not say a coach or a peer group. He, he doesn't uh, look. At, he doesn't say grandparents as you grandparent your ch- grandkids. Okay, and w- I want you to get this here. He doesn't even say the church, right? He doesn't say the youth pastor. He doesn't say any of these things. And what's the point? Why why am I belaboring this? Is that when you look at the struggles that your children are having, when you see the, the attitudes that are coming out, these are your responsibility, not anyone else's. There are resources out there. There are people that can help you and encourage you. But when God looks at your children, He connects it right back to you. He says, you're the one. You're the one in the power position. You're the one that he calls to, and he calls to play your role. It's interesting. He, he doesn't say, he doesn't call for the village to come around, right? Nor the village people, by the way. Okay? <laughs> Not the village, nor the village people. God places you in that specific role. And it's interesting, as I shared with the kids, he placed specific kids in your life. Are any of your kids difficult? If they're here today, don't raise your hand. But if they're not here, you can raise your hand. Okay. I was just making sure my wife was being honest there. Some of your kids are difficult. And in a weak moment, you're like, God, why, why did you give me this child? What, what, 
Yeah, I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I just can't figure them out. They, we, we rub each, we, we butt heads all the time. We rub each other wrong. I can't figure them out. They can't figure me out. I, I can't do it. I, I want to tell you that God is sovereign and He has placed your kids in your home for His sovereign purposes in your, in your household, both in you and in them. And so He places you in, in a relationship with your specific children. I guess what I'm getting at is this is your job. This is your primary job. It's yours. And for us to shirk our responsibilities and blame other people, um, first of all, is just wrong and it's not accurate. And the other side of it is that it won't help them or us as we seek to raise them. I I, I mentioned grandparents especially uh earlier, as well as the church, as well as the youth pastor, as well as the school. I talked about coaches as well. I want to tell you this, that, that as God gives you opportunity as grandparents, and some of you, you know, as grandparents, you have taken a lion's share even in raising your children, your, your grandchildren, and you've brought them into your home. That's not God's design but I want to tell you this, that God could use you greatly and he's using you. You know what? Um, some of your school teachers here today, and you can't, you can't adopt every kid that comes through your, your, your uh, classroom. But I want to tell you, as you fulfill God's design and, and as God gives you opportunity, he can use you greatly in the classroom. Do you coach? You know what? It's a great opportunity young boys and young girls who don't have parents that or parents that are going, oh, just throw them into sports, keep them busy, they're driving me nuts. You get great opportunity. So we think about our church and even Vacation Bible School this week. There might be some problem children that come into our church this next week, disciplinary problems. That might happen. I, I'm saying might. I know it will happen, okay? <laughs> Been to VBS before, you know what I'm saying? happened at every VBS ever. Okay? It's our opportunity to make a difference. But the primary role and job is that of parents. So in verse 21, he addresses fathers or parents, and he says this, Do not provoke your children. Do not provoke your children. The word provoke is the idea, uh, excite them in such a way or provoke them or irritate them. And I, as I was thinking this through, I don't know how the, those words hit you, but, but I wanted to stand up and scream, no, that's not what I'm doing to them. That's what they're doing to me. They're provoking and irritating me. They're the ones that are getting to me. And it was interesting to me, that God, as He instructs parents, He instructs us specifically not to do that to our kids. Isn't that interesting? That, that this isn't something that, that He says, earlier He addressed kids, and He said, what? Children, obey your parents, right? He didn't say, don't irritate them or provoke them. It wasn't a license to do so, by the way, Him leaving that out. But I think it, I find it interesting that he says for parents not to do that to their children. 
not to provoke them, not to be ones to uh, cause them to be embittered or, or in, in some way even incite a rebellion in them. I, I find that interesting because it, it causes me to go, well, who's the problem here? Who's the problem here? This is what's so tough for us as parents. Most of you know I, I involved in little league. I've coached. Um, I, you know, I have kids and they come home from school and, um, you know, I look at uh, test papers and I hear what happens on the playground. And there's always an excuse, isn't there? How come you struck out? That ump, the ump. It's interesting. I see it in kids, but this past week, uh, my boys played in a baseball game, and the parents were just enraged at the umps. They were standing up yelling and after the game, and they were they were kind of half-heartedly accusing them of being biased toward the other team, and you gave the game away. And and uh, the other team hit six home runs, okay? If someone would ask me the question, why did we lose the game, I think it had something to do with the six home runs. The ump really didn't have a whole lot to do with the six home runs. And yet, as I look at this passage and I see this, I go, I don't want to think that I'm the problem. When I look at my child and I realize there's rebellion in their heart and disobedience in them, and you know they're doing things that are not according to what God would want, and I can't figure them out, and I look at them and I go, what's your problem? They would never say this, at least not if they're smart. It's my parent. It's my dad that's the problem. I want us to get this, and I want, how can we as parents, how can we incite or excite or provoke our kids? How do we do that? I I think there's some easy things that we can think about, just being uh, unkind to them, right? Right? you're unkind to your kids, that's going to provoke them, right? It's kind of that that fighting mentality. If you're unkind to them, what do they want to be to you? Simple, right? Some of you are getting a little slow. If somebody punches you, what do you want to do back? You want to punch them back harder, you know, harder than they did to you, you know, you know, one up them, right? And that's what kids feel like. And as I, to be honest with you, this um, this list does not come from your life. It comes from mine. As I was thinking through the ways that I provoke my children. And and it's one of those things that's difficult. You know, you think, well, um, how do you parent? You're supposed to be the authority in their home and in the home. And you're supposed to raise them in a certain way. And in the midst of doing that, in the midst of doing that, you sometimes speak to them. And, and tell them or set up rules in your home that do the complete opposite of what you want, right? And and how do you know when you're provoking your children? Well, you know, right? It's the look. It's what it does to them inside. It's the it's the sense where it comes out in them. Some of the things that that I think of is setting them up for failure. Setting them up for failure is not equipping them. 
uh, not talking to them ahead of time. Hey, I'm going to school today. Okay, have a good time. When you send your kid off to school, don't you want to walk them through what they're going to deal with when they get there? You know, you think of a kindergartner and all the questions that they have. Do you just want to drop them off at the curb and say, your class is whatever over there? No. You want to set them up for success, right? You want to walk them in there. You want to introduce them to their teacher. You want to talk to them about what they're supposed to do. And I say kindergarten, but that's just as important when you send them away for college, isn't it? To walk them through, to set them up for success. To walk them through what's going to happen next and how they can think through what is best so that they would succeed. I thought about this and I was going, we're really preparing our kids for war, right? We're preparing them for war. And if I handed one of my children a gun, which would be pretty scary in and of itself, and then sent them into the war and said, good luck, I'm behind you all the way. I'd be setting them up for failure and not success. And we do that to our kids all the time. How about this? How, how about if, if I'm an emotional roller coaster? If, if I'm up and down and one, one time I'm the, this happy-go-lucky dad that's just ready to play and enjoy life and I bring all the joy to the home, but the very next day or maybe even the very next hour, I'm this rough and harsh and, and downer of a dad. And I'm on this emotional roller coaster. And, and my kids are, are going, which dad am I going to get today? How, how's this going to work out for me? You know, I, dad was super fun yesterday. Does that mean he's going to be bad today? How am I going to deal with that? Do you think that would provoke your kids? you think that would irritate them? Do you think that would be something that would stir in them a sense of security or insecurity? I think about being harsh, just being harsh, or or maybe harsh is too uh, intellectual of a word, just being a jerk, just being a jerk, to always being rough on your kids. Some of us uh, hide behind, well, that's the way I was raised. We were raised wrong. We were raised wrong. If we come from a long line of jerks or dads that were harsh, we were raised wrong. What about just being selfish? What about just being selfish? Of of being around the house and you are setting up life so that you would have it easy. You're setting up the family in such a way that will fit into your world. And in that, your kids fit into that. You know, I'm designing a child that will meet my needs. That's being selfish. You know what? That will ruin your kid. It'll provoke him. It'll irritate them. What about being proud? I think of dads, um, just not, not, not you and definitely not me. I think of dads who are never wrong. Never wrong. Never ask for forgiveness of their kids. Never acknowledge, um, I, I was rough on you right there and I shouldn't have acted that way. That was wrong in the eyes of God. I, I made a decision there. I lashed out at you. I, I had a rule that wasn't a good one. I'm sorry. 
I, I need to ask your forgiveness. If you're proud, if you're proud, guess what? That will provoke your kids. That will provoke them. I think of being impatient. Impatient. Shared this with you a couple of weeks ago, men, as we were talking about husbands loving your wives. Your job, you're paid to go fast, right? Paid to go fast. Is it good to be slow at your job? Only when it's important, right? Only when you need to get it right. Guess what? Uh, your kids don't understand what's going on, right? They, they, they're not adults. They haven't lived as long as you have. And for you to be impatient with them and look at your third grader and say, what's your problem? Could you please hurry up? It's being impatient. And guess what? In the heart of a child, what will that do? It will irritate, provoke. It will stir up ugly in them. How about unreasonable standards? Some of us here, especially here at Bear Valley Church, we have high standards for our kids. They're going to be the smartest. They're going to be the best. They're going to score high on this test or that test. They're going to get A's. They're, they're going to do this. They will succeed. Guess what? You may get the A's out of your kid. You may get the, the, the scores that will get them into the right college so that they can get the right job. But are you crushing them in doing that? Are, are you provoking them? Once again, I, I just want to tell you, folks, I'm, I'm not talking to you so much as I'm talking to me this morning. I didn't think about you all when I was thinking, uh, putting this message together. I thought of my own life. Unreasonable standards. How about public embarrassment? When you're disappointed in your children, when they haven't met your standards, when they've embarrassed you, do you embarrass them in front of their siblings, in front of your, your spouse, in front of their peers? It's public embarrassment the way you roll. If it is, you're provoking your child. How about this? An unwillingness to talk to them and relate to them. Or even more importantly, an unwillingness to listen to them. And this kind of flows into the selfish pride and patience of I've talked about before. But do you spend time with your children talking and relating to them, listening to them and hearing what, what's exciting their heart? Or, or do your kids live a separate life and they just go, forget dad, he has no time for me. He won't listen. Tried to talk to him before, but he, he doesn't have any time for me. And every time I bring up something, it goes into lectureville instead of listenville, right? Provoking your children. You know what, parents? There's also something, um, doing too much for them or doing too little for them. especially uh, as they get in those later years, as they've learned things to do, there's a sense in which as parents, we're like, we just want to win the game. We just want to win the game. So I want to do it for you. I want to show you how to do it. I, I want to do it. And if you're not doing it right, you push them aside and you do it for them, right? 
It's the school project. We're going to get an A on this. We are going to get an A. What was my grade? Your grade? Yeah, my grade. What did I get on it? Doing too much for them. The other side of that is there's some that do too little for them. Do too little. You're you're wanting to make them self-sufficient, but you show no compassion and mercy to them. You will not help them. You say good luck to you and push them out the door. Doing too much or doing too little for them. I could go on, but this has been painful enough. As I... As I think about my own parenting and my relationship with my children, if I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to have a relationship with Christ, I need to ask the question, am I provoking my kids? Am I the problem here? It's not that your kids won't have problems apart from you. But make the connection. Am am I the problem here? Is something that I am doing impacting my children? With that question, um, some of you will run right to, well, I'm going to go ask my kid. I want to encourage you, don't ask your children if you're provoking them. Because first of all, they'll say yes, right? But in reality, they don't know. They don't know. Um, if you have a three-year-old in your home, it's very exciting. Um, but uh, have you ever asked a three-year-old what they want for dinner? Ice cream! Cake! I don't want dinner right now. I want it later when I want it. I'm playing. Is that good for them? No. No. They don't know what they need. And so this is a question that you need to go before the Lord on. Am I provoking my child? The problems, the things that they're struggling with, do they relate to me and how I'm parenting them? We move on uh, in verse 21. I realize this is painful. Verse 21, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Lest they become discouraged discouraged um the the connection there is super important because it's just not obedience he doesn't just give us uh, a command to obey and he says you need to do this you you need to make sure you don't provoke or irritate your kid and bitter them you you don't want to do that um but he tells us why tells us why and I, i realized this whole process of working through this is tough stuff But you need to know why. You need to know the stakes. And what will it do to your child? What will it do to your son or your daughter? Well, it says, lest they become discouraged. Discouraged. Probably as I was thinking this through, and I never think of it um, early enough, but the youth pastor should have got up here and talked about this. Because I talk to him all the time. And he tells me over and over again that, that, that this generation of, of young people are more discouraged, more depressed, more uh, faint-hearted than any he remembers. And he's just a young kid, so he doesn't really understand those things. I was his youth pastor, so I know, right? But, but what, 
what you need to connect with is that there are implications for your kids. That your actions will either encourage them or discourage them. This word discouraged is the idea to be without courage or spirit, to lose heart, to lose heart. It's the idea of giving up. It's the idea of giving up. And this represents itself in many different ways. And really, it can start before they leave the home, but the implications once they leave the home, it happens all the time, right? They abandon the faith. They go off to school and then they quit school. They dive into all kinds of sin and rebellion and they just say, forget it, forget it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go do it. Finally, I'm done with my parents just pounding on me and discouraging me. And now I'm going to go live out the exact opposite of what they've desired for me. As I shared with you before, your children's discouragement and their ability to handle life goes back to us. goes back to us. Why? Because God put you in that role. He put you there. And you say, well, I didn't do it. Well, who did then? Who's been parenting your child? What, how, how has your impact been playing out? Dads, uh, this isn't brain surgery, is it? This isn't brain surgery. And, and I, want, I don't want to be rough on you, but I, I want to just give you this picture right now. You say, well, I've never been a dad before. Me neither. I, I, I just am not wired for this. This just doesn't happen easily for me. It doesn't happen easily for me either. In fact, I fail all the time. Second service is going to be a lot rougher for me to preach to than first. My kids will be here. I want to tell you this, dads, parents, how has God treated you? How has God treated you? I look through this list of ways that I can provoke my um, children. Uh, Does he publicly embarrass me? Is he proud or selfish? Is he a harsh jerk? Is he impatient with me? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How patient has your Heavenly Father been with you? You see, that's the connection. Out of that relationship with Him, we have a relationship with our children. It's not brain surgery. You say, I don't have a picture of it. My dad wasn't the greatest. My mom wasn't the greatest. Hey, you do have a picture for it if you know the Lord. That's the relationship we look to. This morning, I want to give you three things, parents, kind of landing points as you think through uh, this one little verse. The first one is this. You are the authority in your home, but God wants you to have a relationship with your child. You're the authority in the home, but God wants you to have a relationship with your child, not just be his or her boss. Okay? Um, for those of you who worked or have, uh, have worked or work presently for a big company, you realize what the term is. This is just business, right? 
It means I can be unkind to you. I can be short with you just so you get the job done. And if you don't get the job done, I cut you off, right? It's just business. In your home, it is not just business. You're the authority in the home. But God wants you to have a relationship with your children, a relationship with them. You know what? This will do the complete opposite of irritate and provoke your children. It will grant them security and peace and strength. The second thing I want to tell you, parents, is I want to call you to become a better parent. Become a better parent. Love Christ. Okay? I think the last part, loving Christ, most of us leave out of the equation. I think that all of us here who are in the midst of raising kids, we go, oh boy, I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better parent. We may have bought books on being better parents. Tips and traps and parenting or something like that. Parenting for dummies, you know. Uh, we, we look to be a better parent. But I want to tell you, where that starts is in your love relationship with Christ. Is that as you're transformed by the Christ who is superior over all, that he will grant you the grace to be a better parent. That you'll model after him and not after some book. And the third thing, everyone listen up. Third thing, super important. Probably my most important point this morning. Grace, grace, grace. Not for your kids, but for you. Okay? Some of you, even as I've shared this morning, and as I've even reflected on my own parenting, I'm going, oh, guilt, shame, guilt and shame. And you go, oh, I failed miserably. Some of you are brokenhearted as you sit here, burdened over your wayward children. And, and, and as you're honest in your heart, you can see how some of the things that you did impacted that. And you're like, oh, it's just too much for me to bear. I want to tell you, in your failings, in the things that you have done wrong, and we've all done many things that are wrong when it comes to parenting. Many. It's the grace of the gospel. That's why Jesus died. He didn't die because you could be a perfect parent and that you would be a perfect parent. He died for the sins that you would commit. Every one of them. And so as you think about your life, don't wallow in the guilt of what you should have done or the sins that you've committed. Don't wallow in that, but apply the grace of the gospel. And as you think about the, the sins that you've committed, identify that. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He paid it all. He paid it all. This morning, as I, I, I look at this, I, I want us as parents to not measure ourselves on the world scale. It's easy sometimes where we look at our children and we, we go, oh, they're better than that kid or they're better than that kid. You know, well, they're not in prison. You know, uh, they haven't killed anybody yet. You know, we, we start lowering the bar and comparing ourselves. This morning, parents, it's not about our kids. It's not about us comparing ourselves to anybody, but it's about our relationship with Christ. And as we work that out, it'll work itself out in the way we relate to our kids. 
Let's pray for strength from the Holy Spirit to do this. God, uh, super thankful this morning that uh, we are not left to our own devices this morning. And God, the our own failures as we have uh, parented and shepherded our kids in the past as well as the future. God, we need you. We need the grace of the gospel. And God, in so many ways, I, I like to feel like I'm a great parent and that I'm doing everything right. And the reality is that's not true. You call me to something different than the world uh, is is doing. And God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be my guide and the guide of the parents here. God, I ask that you would raise up a group of uh, older folks, some empty nesters that are willing to admit their mistakes to us as well as encourage us to seek you as a, when we parent. God, thank you for the gospel that covers every sin. That Jesus died for us. We, as we represent these families that are here today, I ask that you would uh, grant them grace. I ask that you would uh, cause them to succeed for your name. God, thank you uh, for this time that we could be before your word. This is all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.